I just love being brought around the, the key truths of our Christianity like that. Just the relationship that God loves to have with us and, and he's made available to us. I just love it. I sit here emotional in the front row just thinking about Jesus. Amen? Just love him so much. And if you'd allow me, I'd love to pray just before I bring the word of God. It'd be awesome. Father, I, it's such a privilege to, to share from your scriptures, God. It's a privilege that it's, um, it's been made available by grace, and we acknowledge that today. And so, Father, we just ask that your grace would um, come and enable us to receive your word today so that, Lord, we can be doers of the word. Father, it's an important time together as we come and and mark our relationships with you with this type of dedication. Lord, coming to a place to meet, to hear from you, and to worship you together. So God, come and, and move amongst us for the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom. Do a great work amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Wow. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to. No, I actually like hearing them cheer for me. Every now and again, they give a cheer from, for the sermon that's about to come, which is... So just, uh, if you'd like to join the movie now, stop it, really, honestly, stop it. No, thank you. No, I love you. No, 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 I love you. Well, it's so good to bring the Word of God this morning. I'm really excited by it. Um, preparing for the Word of God on a Sunday is probably one of the most special things I do every week. For me personally, just my relationship with God to, to come in here, because how I hear from God and preparing for, if you just allow me to speak for a minute and just testify, I, how, how I prepare for the Word of God is very special because I feel that whilst God is doing a work regarding what I'm going to preach in my own life, I think this is an exciting time for us to um, hear God together. So it's prophetic in a sense. We hear God in season together and something God wants to do in our lives together. Amen. And so that's why it excites me. That's why I feel it's so special when I, I, I set time aside to prepare and pray for the Sunday message as, as I'm excited about it because I love doing church with you. I love doing ministry with you. Um, last week, Prophets Greg and Julie were sitting over at dinner with them one night and, and they said, uh, you know, notice you, got, you go, get to go and preach out a different place. Do you like it? Do you enjoy it? I said, no, I don't. I, I, I turn down some engagements. And I, when I do go, I'm grumpy. And I say, Lord, I'll go do it for you. Because I love this place. I love this people. I love this place. And we're building here. I mean, we've got a mind to build. And every week, every sermon we bring, every time we lift our hands in worship, every time we attend church, we're building. And when I'm away, I feel, oh, God, I'm, I'm missing a part of the building. And so I sit grumpy on the first row, and I get grump, I get up grumpy when I'm called to preach the word in a different church, and say, Lord, why have you got me here and not in my own church? But I tell you what, I want you to have the same expectation as I do for your church, and every week we're building, that together when we hear the word of God, together God is doing a work amongst us together on the same page, amen? And so it's such a great privilege to stand in the same venue as you and hear the word of the Lord together. This, this month of March is, is Vision Month, and, um, and it's, it's a time where I'm um, leading up to this month from last year, I, from the previous year, I, I generally get together with God and just say, hey, God, what, what's the focus for 2013 or the next year coming? What, what are you wanting to build into us? What are you wanting to strengthen in us? And what can we grow in together? And, um, 
And there's many different ways that the Lord articulates that. But one of the ways is that, that we're going to focus on and we're theming the, the, this month and this year as well is a year of Him. A year of Him. That's how um, Prophet Greg and Julie uh, articulated last week and um, Hannah articulated a different way. His year. Um, she, um, she said, so prophetically, whatever that means to you, I'm going to give you some ideas, but you've got to ask God, God, what does that mean for me? Amen? And that's, that's how you interpret a prophecy. You say, God, what does that mean for me? That's what the Bible says, test and approve. What does that mean to me? How is that real for me? How do I live that? How does that apply to me? And so let, let God do that in you. Amen? Um, let, let God do that in you. But I want to speak a message this morning. And, and over the month, we've got um, two guest speakers who will come. Um, Pastor Steve Graham, who's a great teacher of the Word, and um, Pastor Emmanuel Amoa from Ghana, who's traveling through, and we have the privilege of having a night service with him on the 24th of March, and so I'd love you to come out to that. But it's going to be a great month of just unpacking the Word of God in season about this topic. Well, this morning, I want to speak about the Lordship of Christ. I want to speak about the Lordship of Christ. Man, I, 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 something stirs inside me every time I say Jesus Christ. Amen? Something about the Spirit of God loves it when we focus around that. And I want to teach around that this, this, um, this day. And Because one of the things that the Lord spoke to me last year when I got away with Him and said, Lord, what's the focus? He said, I, I want to take the church. I want the church to have a mission mindset. I want the church to have a mission mindset. And I said, okay, God, teach us what it's like to live on mission for you. And that's a great, great way to be. I mean, in Luke chapter 11, we see that the... For, in regards to prayer, that the, the, uh, the disciples come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray. And, and I, I love the attitude there, is that they could see what Jesus was doing. They could see it was as simple as a dialogue with God, but still his attitude was, teach us how to pray. And it's like that with, with things like mission. It's simple to see people on mission. It's simple to naturally, in a Christian environment, to think, I know what that could look like. But then the, the humility of the attitude that says, God, teach us how to live on mission. God, teach us to make it all about you. That The humility in that is wonderful. Amen? And so that's what I want to bring us around this morning. I want to talk about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and one of the, just before I get on to that, another thing I want to mention is, um, another thing that God said to me, and I'll, all these little snippets of thought I'll unpack as the year goes on, but... Um, one, another little thought that God gave to me was that we've got to take the maximum amount of gospel to the maximum amount of people. Now, I'll tell you what that's in contrast to. Now, I, I was doing this, I, I love reading books on, on, this, on the subject of reaching out to people and helping them find a relationship with Jesus. And in, in the process of doing so late last year, this is, the, this is one of the thoughts that God gave me. And so what it's in contrast to is that often as Christians, we can settle for, and, and this is more about us than other people, we can settle for taking the least amount of gospel to the most amount of people. And that's more about us than people. It's more about us having a sense of, I can tick that box because I did something for God. But God said, I want you to take the maximum amount of gospel, good news about Jesus Christ, the maximum amount of truth and love and, and, and um, 
and the rest. I want you to take the maximum amount to the maximum amount of people. Now, that may not look like a thousand people. That may look like a hundred people that we walk with, journey with, that we share with, that we help through their troubles. I think that's a great model to live by as a church, where we say, I'm not just going to touch you, move on, and then let the seed grow in you. And that, that's what happens. Seed does grow. But I love that the, the farming analogies that Jesus uses. And it's about tending and creek, um, plowing the soil and, and making the right conditions around the people. And, and that's what we do as a church. Amen. And so that's one of the thoughts that I want to unpack at a later date. And so I thought I'd just give you some snippets at the beginning of Vision Month. That's part of the vision we have as a church, to see people grow up in God. Amen? Grow up in God. Is that a good vision to have as a church? I'd love for you to be a part of that with us, and I know you are, so, and that's why I can confidently share that with you in this environment. Now, the Lordship of Christ, if you'd stop distracting me from this morning's message, I can actually get on and keep to my time. All right? So, I remember asking some adults um, as a kid, and I remember asking some adults, what's the point of having this queen? The queen? Yeah, I mean, who's, who's ever thought that or asked that? Three, four, five, okay, most of us, right? What's the point? Like, we, every now and again, she pops us and she gives, pops out, she gives a speech and there's a royal procession. And, and, and I remember thinking, I remember asking, it might have been mum or dad or somebody else, but thinking, what's the point? Like, what does she do? I mean, I started to really challenge her around here. Like, what do you actually do, little lady? And, um, and then some guys came knocking at my door and... No, 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 no. Um, so, <laughs> you like that, Jim? Good one, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I, I sort of question this. So what is it, right? I mean, we, we line up the streets for royal weddings, and, and people cry and wave flags, and, and they camp out all night um, for premium seats at the procession. They, they, they buy memorabilia to, to, to have evidence that they were there when the queen came by or they were alive at the time of the ceremony, right? Our daily, you remember being there and buying little plates that you got? And, and people speak passionately about the queen when, when the cameras come by. We just love the family and it's just exciting to be here. And Come on. Anybody seen that? Am I just, you've seen it, right? You think, what's it all about? I've been the only person who questioned it. No? I mean, you think, what's it all about? The, the, the fact is that all the pomp and ceremony is flattery and hype. The queen's existence doesn't really change any one of those people's lives on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. They stand there on the day and they wave flags. They get into the hype and the flattery as sent towards her. And I like the idea of it and the rest of it. But what happens is every day they stand there and they celebrate, but they go home to their lives. And none of their decisions, none of their um, planning is based on the fact that there's a queen over the land. Can you see where I'm going with this? Oh, you're such a smart church. Well done, good and faithful. So, it's, it's, it's simple to get this way with Christ. I want to present to you today another aspect of God, and that the Bible is very clear about, especially the New Testament, and that's 
Him as Lord. That's Him as Lord. It's easy to get that way with Christ, is to wave the flags. Who's been, who's been that way? We're waving the flags. We've been in church. Maybe you've waved a flag or two, Nicole. Yeah, and Roy. Yeah, thought I'd put one in there for Roy today. And so you, you be, it's easy for us to get that way where we can wave the flag, sing the songs, get emotional in the environment. We can get um, flattering towards the Godhead, but really none of that passion translates into fellowship. None of that passion and flattery translates into fellowship, discipleship. And so it's really important for the church to understand Him as Lord. As Lord. It's, it's great to accept Him as Savior. And that's very important to accept Him, acknowledge Him, and know Him as Savior. But that's, incom- he's a, that's an incomplete description of our God. Amen? That's an incomplete description. He is Savior of your life, but He is also Lord of your life. Amen? Is somebody with me today? You go back to some point in your life as a young person or as an adult where you, quote-unquote, make it a decision for Christ, or accepted Christ. You look at that moment of your life as your moment of salvation, but really, how much changed in that moment? It's one thing to accept God as Savior, but the change change really comes when you acknowledge Him as Lord. Because there's a measure of change that, that happens to us, but He says, um, confess me as Lord. And that confession is in line with a heart attitude that says, I'm willing to now change and give you the reins of my life. Is there a good amen in the house of God? And so that's what happens is that you made a decision for God, and which means you accepted Him as a Savior, but you need to accept Him as Lord. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Now let's go in your Bibles and, and I was listening to a podcast re- recently, and I was just learning how to be a real pastor. And, and one of the things the guy said, and um, here's the, our reading today, comes from the, um, the epistle of Romans um, 10, the chapter. Oh, I thought, man, I'm going to do that one Sunday. That's going really, to really impress a, press a few people and make them feel like there's a real pastor up the front. So our, our, our church, our, our reading today comes from the, the holy book of Romans Chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. So Romans, uh, yeah, thanks, Walt. He just said, wow. That's, that's kind of what I pictured in my head was going to happen at home when I did it in the mirror. <laughs> thanks, Walter. Just live that little dream. Thank you. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if you will. And to verse 10, who's with me this morning? Romans chapter 9, chapter 10 and verse 9. I knew I was going to mess it up. Here we go. Chapter... Uh, Verse 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Paul, the writer here, is is putting this question to the readers. Are you willing to allow Jesus Christ to take over as king and ruler of your life? 
Christ has a sovereign right now to rule over your life so that you bow your knee to be saved. That's what he's saying to the readers there. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, friend, Lord is a ruler and a king. He now dictates. You know, it's, 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 I, I think, I find it funny that often God's got to stand in our judgment. Not us in his. Often God's going to stand in our judgment when things don't work out the way that they're supposed to. You don't get life brought to you like you expected it to. Or or people just don't have the same experiences as somebody else in Christianity. And then God, therefore, stands in our judgment. But what happens is when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, your life now matters very little. In fact, I'll show you in a moment, you lose your life and only His matters. Come on, that's the Lordship that Paul is alluding to when he speaks to the Roman church. And he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So what he's alluding to here, you lose your life. He becomes king. And it doesn't matter what your life, what happens in your life or what it becomes or, or how it ends up. His matters. You lose your life. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Now, nowhere in Scripture does it ever say a Christian is to make Christ Lord. If you are a Christian, He is Lord. If you are a Christian, He is Lord. It's how you accept Him. He can't be in your life in one portion. He can't be in your life as solely and and, and wholly as a Savior without being Lord. He can't be in your life as a Savior and Lord without being a healer. He can't be in your life as a Savior, Lord, healer without being your deliverer. He's not schizophrenic. He is the one and the whole God. Amen. He is everything you read about in the Word of God. But I often find, and this is what I don't want to be the reality in our own church, is that we accept Him as Savior. We accept Him as healer but not as Lord. Is somebody hearing the Word of God this morning? We accept Him as Lord, amen? And so it's not something you attach onto your Christianity when you're ready. A Christian has Jesus Christ as their Lord. Is that right, church? It's not something you attach later. I don't attach God as my healer just when I need it. I don't attach God on as my deliverer when I need it. When I accept, when I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are now my Lord, and when I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I accept the whole person of Jesus Christ. Is that right, church? I I want you to know today that Jesus Christ is your Lord. So I'm sure I'm focusing on this one element today, but for some reason you don't allow me five hours on a Sunday to minister as much as I would like to, all right? And Jesus is your Lord, and he wants to give me five hours on a Sunday, I mean, there's a nervous laughter amongst the congregation, all right? It's not true, church, it's not true. See, when, when Jesus ministered, there was a call to discipleship. 
What you cannot mistake, um, so, so there was a call to mistitleship. It's a bit of a Hebrew mix of a few words there, right? All right, it's a Hebrew mix of a few words there. He, he ministered, and there was a call to discipleship. The, the, the disciple is called to forsake all and accept Jesus Christ. To mistake, to, oh Lord, you're going to have to come back. I think he left when I asked for five hours on Sunday. Come on, let's pray again. Lord, I'm sorry, please come back. Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, cool, I feel him back again, amen. <laughs> you, church, what you make me do on a Sunday. I mean, so the, this discipleship is, is, is a call for you to forsake all else and accept Christ as Lord. Amen. Jesus says, leave your father and mother, forsake all and follow me. He says that over and over again to take up your cross and deny yourself, be willing to die. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy to be my disciple. If you have to go home to bury your mother and father, you're not willing to follow me at all costs. You can't be my disciple. He says, all those who call... Um, all those calls to discipleship are calls to death, to sacrifice, calls to laying down your life, calls to obedience, calls to submission. Jesus Christ calls you. He wants to be and He is your Savior. But the call to discipleship is not for you to just add Him on to the rest of your life. It's a call to accept Him as Lord, to forsake all else and have Him as Lord of your life. And you see, this year of taking the maximum amount of gospel to the maximum amount of people is taking the full gospel, the truths, the sustaining truths, the enabling truths of the gospel to people and is giving them the opportunity to to accept Him as Savior but helping them realize that He is Lord. Is that right, church? That when you allow people, you ask them. You see, one thing I've found about ministering the gospel, that everything inside of me wants to leave out some parts to make Christ sound acceptable. Come on, this is my own testimony. Everything inside of me wants to leave some parts out to make Christ acceptable. Uh, Cool, there's a few other people. (laughs) Sure, I do, Lord, I'm just going to say it and put it out there and, and hope there's a few other people with me. But, but there's, there's parts of me that just want to leave. But, but actually, friend, it's more about you than them. Because their salvation is found in accepting the full truths of the gospel. And the full truths of the gospel says that Christ is our Savior and our Lord. Amen? Is that a right, church? So remember Romans 10, 9 says, if, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it's, it's signifying a heart attitude of humility that says, God, I forsake all else to follow you. Come on, that's a Christian. A Christian doesn't make Christ Lord. Because when you accepted him, he became Lord, as well as your Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer. Amen? You understand the concept? He, he is everything. You accept it. Holy. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 7 says, To those who believe 
He is precious. Now, this is the first part, and he talks about to those who don't believe is a stumbling block. But, but let me highlight this part of it to you, that to those who believe, he's precious. See, friend, what I've come to realize about Jesus Christ is that when you really understand, when you truly understand Jesus, it's not a fight to forsake all else. I mean, there's pain, there's difficulty, but to those who believe, he's precious. Amen? To those who believe, he's precious. I just want the Holy Spirit to lead you into that truth today. I, I don't want it to just be this, this moment of saying the Holy Spirit, the, the, that Jesus is precious. I don't just want it to be another flag-waving ceremony where we flatter God. Friend, let the Holy Spirit drop that into yours right now. To those who believe, He's precious. Amen? Hallelujah. What does that mean? He's precious. He's valuable. He's costly. He's highly prized. He's dear. He's loved. That's His Lordship. To those who believe, He's precious. See, friend, when I, as I was preparing this message, I, I just had to stop a few times and just say, God, I, I don't want to get into flattering you. I, I don't want to deceive myself. There's no power in that. There's no power to change me. There's no power to help others in flattering God, to turning up because there's a ceremony, there's a big... Um, brigade happening. He's, he's, he's passing through, so let's turn up. I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to be found in that. And I've had to repent of times where I literally have to say, sorry, God. Lord, I've, I've been into flattery here. I want you as Lord. I want to forsake all else and receive you as you truly are. Savior, Lord, deliverer, healer, helper. Amen, church? Come on, you've got to know this about Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 8 and verse 34 to 35. This is a passage of Scripture that I, that I really like. This is a, a really exciting passage of Scripture for me. And, I, and wherever I go to preach the Word of God, I, I often share the Scripture because I see my role in those environments to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I want everybody to know the importance of living for God. So why don't you turn to the book, the book of Mark. Our reading today comes to the book of Mark. Chapter. Don't laugh at me. I'm in the middle of my little thing. Our reading today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 34 and 35. Would you turn there today? Oh, that's, oh yeah. Man, I mess it up every time, Elizabeth. Sheesh. All right. Who's there? Chapter 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. You see, you don't, you don't accept Christ in part and keep parts of your life. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Listen, this invitation 
is to the unbeliever as well as the believer. The 34 says, then he called the crowd to him and his disciples. So, so God doesn't leave out parts of the gospel to make it acceptable, inverted commas if you're looking at my fingers right now. He doesn't leave out parts to make it acceptable so that people would come in and then realize, oh, I've got to forsake all else. I've really got to lose my life to find this salvation and this life in Christ. Actually, I don't know if I'm up for that. At the outset, he calls his disciples and he calls the crowd and he says to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Are you hearing this, church? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. See, outside of the lordship of Christ, people pursue their own salvation whilst flattering God with false dedication. Outside of accepting the Lord as Lord, People pursue their own salvation, their own help, their own healing, their own deliverance. But they're happy to flatter them along the way. Amen? Are you hearing me, church? They're happy to flatter them along the way. That's why I, I need to show you this. As, as well as speaking to his disciples, he speaks to the crowd and says, these are the parameters. These are the specifications. Come to me. Or you're weary. Come to me if you're lost. Come to me if you need healing. Come to me if you need to find your life. But in order to do so, you must lose your life and forsake all else. Somebody hear me today. We're saved by believing in the person of Jesus Christ, the fullness of all that He is, Lord, as well as what He did. See, we find salvation in all that He is right now, not just in what He did. Amen? Not just what He did 2,000 years ago. We find salvation in who He is today. Today, He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is able to wash away all your sins and forgive you of all unrighteousness because He's Lord seated at the right hand of the Father. So we find salvation not only because of what has been done 2,000 years ago. We find salvation through who He is today. Is somebody hearing the word, the good news of Jesus Christ? People readily accept Christ as their Savior, but struggle, Christians struggle to accept Him as Lord. Acts chapter 10 and verse 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. This is the word of the Lord. That's another little thing that the cool pastor did. Come on. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. What, did the, what was the early church focused on? What was their message? What was their proclamation, their declaration? What was their praise and their worship? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, church. What does a year of Him look like? A year of Him is coming back to realizing that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I'll forsake all else. I'll lose all else for your sake. Come on, that's what a year of Him looks like, Generations Church. Um, Galatians. Why don't you turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 2. Book of Galatians, chapter 2, and verse 20. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Give me a good amen when you've got it. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Come on, I want to show you what a life looks like submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Is that all right, church? I'd love to show you what a life submitted to the Lordship of Christ looks like. I have been, Paul speaking, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Come on, that's what a life submitted to the Lordship of Christ looks like and sounds like. I have been crucified with Christ. I have died. Come on, he likens the dying of every part of his life to crucifixion. He likens it to the pain of letting go and accepting salvation. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer, he said he's died to the old. The old is gone. The new has come. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. All my preference has gone. All my ambition is gone. In fact, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So this frame that you see, all buff and beautiful, is no longer... It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. He's clearly muscly and beautiful. I'm just taking his shape. Amen, church. Hallelujah. A few disgusted looks in the congregation. Amen. A few confused people. Hallelujah. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what lordship and discipleship looks like. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, submit yourself. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourself. I love the personal responsibility in accepting Christ as Lord. I love it because it reminds me that the, that the enemy is not keeping you from having a full relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It reminds me that it's that for God to paint such a broad brush picture and say, submit yourselves to God, not just those who find it easy, not just those who aren't addicted to anything, not just those who had a Christian upbringing. He just says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I love that he paints such a broad brush because it means like me, who's not such a super Christian, can be on the same page as Hannah, who is a super Christian. Amen? It means that I can also resist the devil and he can flee. That I can also submit to God and have him as Lord of my life. There was too many agreeing on the point that I'm not as much of a Christian as Hannah. There were too many agreements on that. Too many, church. Too many. Matt, why don't you come and play and stop smiling like that? Okay, this is church. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how you get brownie points for. Come on, church. I want you to know today that what, um, I'm just laying a foundation for what we're going to continue to be teaching in this environment, that Christ is your Savior and that He wants to be the Lord of your life. And if you are a Christian, it's not something you add on to your life, but Christ has been your Savior. He is your Savior, and He is your Lord. Amen? God is not asking Christians to to put on Christ as Lord. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, you've accepted Him as Lord of your life. Amen? Where are you today on the subject of Lordship? Where are you today? Where are you today on the subject of lordship? Come on, have you ever, maybe, and I, maybe you've never heard this preached before. Or maybe for you it's been a while since somebody reminded you that Christ is your Savior and Lord. Where are you today? Do you need to strengthen your commitment to Christ as Lord? Do you need to live out that commitment as Christ being your Lord? Do you need to today, as first place, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? See, friend, the good news is that the world had a serious problem. That because of our sin, we were eternally to be separated from the Father. We had no right to stand in His presence. But God responded, and He did so. He responded sacrificially. While our sin, yours and mine, worked in a decaying way in our lives. It was sent and to kill, steal, and destroy, decay every part of our lives, our futures, and our eternity. God responded sacrificially by sending His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that we may have life and life to the fullest if we believe in Him. You see, the Bible says that we were all in the same boat. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One thing, you could make a decision to change your mind in a few areas, but one thing you could never do is come to glory. You fell short of glory. But the Bible says, and how we access salvation, glory, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friend, it is, salvation does come through a confession and a believing. But when you receive Christ, you receive him as Lord. Every area of your life is to be challenged in light of his lordship. I'll say it again. Every area of your life is to be challenged in light of his lordship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, again, Paul, who who is living on mission for the glory of God, and it's clearly, as we've read in Galatians chapter 2, he's clearly accepted Christ as Lord, not just Savior, but as Lord. He says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. What, and, and we find out later in that passage, about verse 36, is that he's looking for what's beneficial for the saving of many lives. And you see, many lives aren't saved through us because we have a lordship problem. We have a lordship issue. And that's why the church would come and say, to this, this month, this year, and for the rest of our lives, we'll say, God, this day, this month, this year is a year of you. We embrace Him as Lord. We look for what's, when we have Him as Lord, we look for what's beneficial for the gospel. We look, all things are permissible. We can do a lot of things. And they may even be permissible. They're not sinful. But he says, what are the things that are perm- what are the things that are beneficial? What are the things that are helpful? That's why our whole life is measured against his lordship. Actually, that's getting in the way of your lordship, God. I care more about that than you right now. I care more about their response than I do about you in my life. 